Hi guys and welcome back to the Park End Podcast. My name is Cameron. Welcome to episode number three of the podcast. We haven't done an episode for a few weeks now. I have been, um, you know, backlogged with a load of games. Everton seemed to be playing every five minutes now. We've had the game against Man United, the win against Leeds, and the game against West Ham, I think, since we last done a podcast as well. But we are back and in full swing and what a fantastic guest we have to join us on the podcast today. I am absolutely honoured honoured and proud to be joined by an Everton legend, Super Kevin Campbell, joining us again for the second time on the channel. If you watch us over on YouTube, The Mighty Blues, you'll have seen the previous interview with Kevin Campbell where we sat down and we talked about Everton so far this season. A lot's changed since then, Kev. We've come back into form like you predicted we would. We had a little bit of a rocky spell at the start of the year and then, of course, we've had a couple of really good results. That one against Manchester United more recently being a very emotional, shall we say that. So I thought today, Kev, we could sit down, talk about your career at Everton Football Club, of course, coming to Everton as a player and having the impact that you did, which, you know, still to this day, whenever I mention your name to, to Everton supporters, I've had a lot of supporters, um, you know, putting comments in on the previous video that we've done and, and uh, messaging me on Twitter and stuff saying how much of a, a legend you are to them and how important you are to Everton Football Club and where we are today. Uh, but before we get into that, how are you, mate? How's things? How, how's life been? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm healthy. I'm fit, and I'm working. That's all you can do sometimes. You you know, keeping your head right. And uh, I'm doing quite a bit online, obviously. And uh, I'm enjoying what I'm doing. So everybody, family's okay. So can't complain. Good stuff. Good stuff. Happy days. Well, we'll get straight into it anyway. We'll get straight into the thick of it. No messing about. So, obviously, you uh, started your footballing career at Arsenal. Um, I believe, I read a stat before, I don't know if this is true, you made your debut against Everton. Yeah. Yeah, made your debut in against... In 88. In 88, yeah. 7th of May, 1988. Goodison as well, what a... So yeah, I, I never knew that, I googled it before and I was uh, looking for your, your Everton debut because it was actually a bit before my time um, and it come up that your, your debut against uh, for Arsenal was, was against Everton, so... Yeah, so you think about this, Cameron. In that side, Neville Southall, oh. Gary Stephen, oh. Trevor Stephen, at the back on the day was Kevin Ratcliffe, Pat Vandenhaal, um, I'm trying to think who was was it John Bailey left back I think Bells was left or one of them guys midfield was um, Trevor Stephen on the right Sheedy on the left Peter Reed and Paul Bracewell in the midfield up front was Graham Sharp and Adrian Heath so a difficult team to make your debut against then I think that's well, fair to say that was brilliant you know because listen I used to get these guys in my sticker book yeah. you know the Panini yeah. sticker book so it was for me it was wow i couldn't believe it absolutely loved it and um you know it was quite ironic i made my debut against everton isn't it yeah you know it all is the, all these years gone it is because I, I remember i was reading it before and I, and I just i read about the debut and and i read um a bit of the the article that it was written on and it said you know with backup strikers like paul mason and i thought paul mason never played for everton and then i realized i read it and realized you made your debut against Everton. And obviously, 228 appearances for Arsenal, 46 goals. Um, what was it like growing up then as a, as a young lad? Because I suppose most young lads' dreams, in, certainly in this country, is to grow up and become a professional footballer. And, you know, it gets to a point in your life, certainly for me, probably when I was about 13 and I wasn't even getting in the team of me, me Sunday league side, that, you know, you, you realise, oh, this isn't probably going to happen for me. This dream isn't realistic. So what was it like for you growing up and, you know, getting to that point where you, you picked up by Arsenal? 
Arsenal and you're moving to the Arsenal Academy and starting to realise that this was it was it a dream for you or was you know growing yeah, up? It's was... always always been a dream. I supported Arsenal as a kid, and um, I went to my first game in 1977, um, and obviously supported Arsenal. I was seven years old then, so I was a fan before I was even contemplated playing. Yeah. But the, the great thing about being a fan is when you actually go to the ground and you actually see it. Because watching it on TV or, you know, listening to it on the radio, which we had to do quite a bit then, um, you you got a feeling about it. But yeah. when you actually get to the stadium, it's, it's totally different. Yeah. You know, that the feeling, all the noises, the smells, and then that, that, that green carpet grabs you, doesn't it? Yeah, you know, and... Um, I always wanted to play football, play football, you know, since a young kid. And you, 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 of course you want to play, yeah. but you don't know, you don't know how you, you, it's going to go. It's uh, very difficult. Obviously, we're talking about the 70s and, and early 80s. Luckily, I got, I got scouted playing for South London schools uh, by Fred Ricketts and um, went across to, to uh, Highbury to train. And who was the who was the coach training me at the time it was Pat Rice, the ex captain who'd lifted the cups and you know been captain of the football club. He was he was the youth team um, coach. Yeah. But he used to take the boys on the on the uh, midweek in the academy. So it was brilliant learning from him. Yeah. And um, you know that was we realized it was just a stepping stone. But you you, you grew up quickly under Pat Rice. Yeah. Yeah. I can he imagine. Was really good. Yeah, I can imagine, and, and like you mentioned there, growing up being an Arsenal supporter, I mean, all I know is, is Everton Football Club. I've been going to Goodison Park since I was since I can remember. First game I went to, I had to leave because I couldn't take the atmosphere. It was too much for me, and now I'm loving it. And, and like you said, it is, it, it's different, and sitting at home and watching it on the telly, certainly now with, in the times that we're in, and I know obviously it can't be helped and there's much more important things, but even tonight when, I'm, when I'll be sitting there watching it on BT Sport, it's going to feel, you know, a little bit still, be a part of me that thinks I should be sat at Goodison Park. We should be creating that atmosphere. We should be giving Tottenham no, no chance whatsoever. No peace. The no 12th peace. man should be there. That's Look, it. Cameron, you know, here's, here's the crazy thing. A lot of people, and I, I, I don't want to veer off track. I want to keep it on track. A lot of people, because of what's going on right now, think, oh, the fans all right because they're at home watching the game. Yeah. I know fans don't want to be home. Fans want to be at the ground. Yeah. They want to be there. They want to have, feel the atmosphere because there's a there's a, a, a togetherness when yeah. you're actually at the stadium and that feeling you get, especially how the team's doing, yeah. Cameron. Yeah. What would it be like at Goodison? It'll be bouncing, mate. Do you know what I mean? That's so it. again, I know the twelfth man would make a massive difference. Fingers crossed and touch wood. I want, obviously, Everton to, to smash them up tonight. I'll tell you, smash them tonight. Just win. Just win by the odd goal. It yeah. don't matter as long as you get through. But, um, you know, getting getting scouted and, and, and coming through the ranks at a football club that you support is the ultimate. Yeah. It really is the ultimate. Obviously, when you've been scouted, it's just the beginning. But to actually be there and... You're starting to feel part of the football club. 
it makes you look at things a little bit different, Cameron, definitely. I can imagine. And, and did you put a lot of pressure on yourself as a young lad then, like you said, growing up and, and being an Arsenal supporter and having that, that opportunity to go through the, the ranks and, like you said, being you know coached by Pat Rice, who was you know, a, a, an icon at Arsenal and lifted yeah. all of the trophies. Was there a pressure that you put upon yourself to, to make it? You, know, you, you hear a lot of footballers talk about how you know, they put the hard work in when they were a younger player and there's, there's always that argument is when people say, oh, you know, um, football isn't, you know, isn't a difficult job, blah, blah, blah. And look, I understand that footballers are paid an awful lot of money, certainly in this day and age, but the hard work does go in, doesn't it? And, and from your point of view, growing up in the Arsenal Academy, I suppose, was the always that pressure from yourself to make it and to one day, you know, you know, go out and in, in that Arsenal team and, and play in front of all of those fans? Well, I wanted to get out of Brixton, that's for sure. <laughs> Um, coming up in the 70s, Brixton, you know, was a very difficult place. Yeah. It was, uh, there was a lot of racism yeah. um, w- with police and stuff like that. But I always wanted to play football. I wanted to be something. So, you know, I had a great opportunity. This is, We're talking about the times here, Cameron, where one day you could train at Arsenal, the next day you could train at Charlton, you could yeah. train at Millwood, you could train at Crystal Palace, you could train yeah. at Chelsea. You know, you could train at five different clubs on five different nights. Yeah because you couldn't sign until you're 12 years old. Okay. Got to got to 12 years old, signed for Arsenal, and then you're dedicated to Arsenal. You can't go to any of the other yeah. clubs. So, And then you kind of focus in on your, your fledgling youth career. Yeah. So from 12, every year you're hoping to get a renewal, uh, for, you know, 13, 14, 15. And then obviously once you get to 16, you're looking at apprentice scholar now but it was like a yts youth training scheme yeah so that's what you that's that's what it's all about you've got to try and get to that stage and um luckily from the age of 15 most of my weekends were taken up playing with the arsenal youth team and uh the under 16s playing on a on a sunday yeah for arsenal under pat rice and, and vic acres who w- was the kit man for years so it was kind of mapped out a little bit, so it was it was great when the letter dropped and you got, I got accepted to be a YTS at Arsenal. You know that was kind of the first rung. Yeah. Although you're not professional, it's the first rung on the professional ladder yeah. to try and make it. So it, it's it's amazing. Any whether whether it was Arsenal or anywhere else, to be able to get on the uh, that's the first stop. Getting on that rung as a YTS, and yeah. you know you're not earning great money, Cameron. You're earning. £27.50 a week. And then the second year, I was earning 35 quid a week. Do you know what I mean? It was it's all like, about the ladder though, isn't it? But, Gotta start but somewhere. It's, but it's the hard work. Yeah. You, you do work hard. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of moving parts behind there that a lot of people don't see. And just think, you know, lads just turn up and earn the money. They definitely don't. Yeah. There's a lot of sacrifice that has to go in. But, you know, to be able to d- make that sacrifice... Yeah, and, and to make it, you've got to be good. Yeah. You've got to be good. And I know there's times players don't have good times at clubs, but to make a professional, you've got to be good. That's it. That's it. You've got you've you've got to be talented. I can I can remember a number of times where there was scouts and uh, you know who come to watch our Sunday league games, and we used to play with some lads that I used to think he he'd be he's going to be a whale beater. He's going to be a whale beater, and the scouts would turn up, and you'd have a little way with the manager a couple of weeks later, and he'd say they just didn't want to take him on, and you think, wow, how can anybody be better than this lad? He's running rings around everybody, but you know there's a you, you, like you said, you you have to be that level. So you went on, you realised that dream at Arsenal, like I said, mate 
major debut against Everton in May 1988. 228 appearances, 46 goals for Arsenal. Had a couple of loan spells out um, to Leighton Orient and Leicester. Moved to Nottingham Forest and then over to Turkey, of course. So, you'd had a couple of moves then between leaving Arsenal and, and you know, um, like I said, a couple of loan moves and then a couple of permanent, permanent and then Everton come along. And there's, you know, there's um, a, a famous saying from a very famous Everton legend, Alan Ball, which is once Everton has touched you, nothing will be the same. And, and, and I feel like you are a real hero with Evertonians and you've really embraced, you know, being an Evertonian because not just with Everton fans, but there's a lot of footballers who move to clubs and, and you know, um, play for clubs and they don't really have that affiliation and and look it's understandable if you know you've grown up a United fan and you move to play for Sunderland and you play for a couple of years and you play well but then you move on you don't have to have an affiliation but what was it about Everton and, and what drove you to Everton firstly of course like I said you know it was at a time where we were really struggling in the league relegation was a, you know a definite conversation 1998-1999 um, so after sort of like moving around a little bit after you know leaving your, your boyhood club at Arsenal what was the, the big sort of decision point in thinking yes I want to go and I want to go and make me career at Everton I want to join them well I mean it was I was in Turkey and um for whatever for whatever reason, I, I I was suspended from the team. I wasn't playing, and it was there. That's where there was a March transfer window. Yeah, and obviously, if I'm out in Turkey and I'm not playing, I might as well be in England. Yeah, playing, <laughs> playing. You know, I'm an yeah. experienced I'm an experienced guy. You know, I, I I I've got I've got something to offer to a team. So. I spoke to my agent at the time and he said, right, there's five clubs in interested. So I said, who are they? And the first name out of his mouth was Everton. So I said, stop right there. That's where I want to go. Uh, the reason why I said that, Cameron, was because growing up, I'd, I'd witnessed what Everton were, how Everton played, that the fan base, that the size of the club, you know, even coming through and seeing Arsenal engage with Everton. There was a lot of respect between the yeah. clubs as well. And there was a lot of respect between the players. But when, whenever an, uh, Arsenal played, it was a battle because yeah. both clubs were, were big clubs. Yeah. Obviously, Arsenal battling Liverpool as well at the time. So it, it was just a real feel-good factor coming to, to Liverpool to battle either Liverpool or Everton. Because at the time, Liverpool and Everton were the teams that were up there. Yeah. So, so I know what type of club it was. And I'd kept in, I'd kept abreast of what was going on in England. I knew Everton had a really good squad, but they were playing um, Danny Kadamatri and Franny Jeffers up front. <clears throat> and I was looking, I'm thinking, wow. I said, you know, they're two good young players. Yeah. But they got no, they got no real experience. You know, they've got no experience. So as soon as my agent mentioned Everton first, I thought that's where I, I want to go yeah. because I know. You know, they lack a bit of experience up top, which which I've got. Yeah. And I know the club. I know Everton as a club. I know how big Everton are. And if I could play at Arsenal, I could play at Everton. Yeah, definitely. You know what I mean? One of those ones. So I, I, I knew what type of club. Everton are a club who they know their football. Yeah. So that's what I decided. I didn't want to hear any of the other five five clubs. Ever, uh, Everton came out number one out of his mouth and that's where it stopped and that's where it finished. Yeah. So it was right. That's where I want to go. 
Amazing, amazing. Well, you joined on loan initially in, in 1999, March 1999, like you mentioned, the um, transfer window. Scored nine goals, I believe, in, in eight games or eight or nine games. Finished the season, Everton's top goal scorer. And like I said earlier on, you, you're looked at by many, many Evertonians. I mean, I speak to me dad, who's downstairs now. I've spoke to a lot of Evertonians who commented on the video that we did on the channel or on, on, on social media. And, you know, they, they really do hold you in, in the highest esteem and say that if it wasn't for Kevin Campbell, who knows where Everton had been now because Everton might have you know been relegated in that season first three games six goals uh, we finished 14th in that season but just seven points off of the relegation zone so in yeah. terms of coming into Everton like you mentioned there you know when when the name was mentioned you only wanted to join Everton it was it, it was one club it was was that Everton feeling gripped as soon as you you, you stepped into you know the doors at, at the football club did you just sort of feel you know, an Evertonian feel part of the family because you hear a lot of players talk about that, don't you? Well, it, well, I've got to say no okay. because it was actually before that. Campaign, okay, it was. I was getting a flight from London up, and um, I was getting a flight from London to Manchester. I was getting picked up in Manchester. Yeah, and I got on a flight, and I was sitting beside this guy, and we we just got talking. And funny enough, Cameron, he was an Evertonian, wasn't he? I believe. But he didn't know who I was. Yeah, okay. So we were talking football and he was telling me about all the trials and tribulations about Everton and how, you know, we're doomed and all that kind of thing, blah, 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 blah. And as we started our descent, you know, he said, so what are you doing going to Liverpool? I said, I've got some work on in Liverpool. You know, I said, I'm going to meet a, a Mr. Smith who's um, quite a prominent person in, in Liverpool and stuff. And he, he never got it like no, you know that. So, no, he didn't get it. He didn't twig. So we landed. And as we're coming through, there's Walter Smith and Bill Ellaby waiting for me. So as we come through, I kind of come, we get through and he kind of recognizes them. And then they see me and they come over and shake my hand. And he's like, open mouth. <laughs> so I, I grab him over. And, but he told me everything about the, the yeah. Evertonians. You know, you give 100%, you know, Everton will love you, blah, 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 blah. But he didn't know who he was talking to. And then, obviously, he realised. So, yeah. you know, that, that kind of made me feel, as a fan base, you know, not a, as a player, should I say, as a player listening to what he was saying, it appealed to me because I always give everything. I always try. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It may not always work out, Cameron. That's but it. But I'll always have a goal. I'll always have a try. And I think... I needed Everton and Everton needed me right at that particular moment. So, as I said, even before I actually came into the club, I felt it. Yeah. And then as soon as I actually came into the club, met the lads and everything, it was all over. Met the fans. It was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I felt at home from second one, not even minute one, from second one. And that reflected in the way I played. I got on with the players straight away. Um, had a rapport with, with with loads of different players there, you know, had a good feeling about them. And, uh, you know, the rest, I wouldn't say the rest is history, but you could see game after game that we were building. Yeah. And myself and Franny Jeffers just had this understanding um, playing as a, as a pair at the top end of the pitch. And in the end, you know, we, we, we all came through, which was brilliant. And, uh, there's a moment in um, when we played West Ham at home in the penultimate game of the season at Goodison where I, I think we were obviously six six up and 
Evertonians kept kept uh, invading the pitch. <laughs> they kept invading the pitch because they were so happy. Yeah. And you know what? That made me feel so so brilliant for everybody concerned. And uh, you know, it was a, it was a great end to what was a difficult, difficult season for a lot of Evertonians. Yeah, spot on. That, that's an amazing story, that. I, never, I bet you that fella's sitting there, you know, I don't know whether he'll be watching now, if he is watching. No, I, he yeah. actually came, he actually came to the West Ham game. Oh, okay. He, he came to the West Ham game, I got him players' lounge tickets and everything, and, uh, you know, he was in tears <laughs> because he just said, I was sitting beside you, <laughs> and then you never said nothing, you know what I mean? It was, it was brilliant, absolute, but... That's the feeling I always got from the Everton fans. You know, whether it was going good or bad, they were always backing. Yeah. They always backed me. So, yeah. you know, I, I'm forever grateful. And Everton touched me in my heart and they're always going to be in my heart. Amazing. Well, that, that is very much Everton Football Club summed up. I mean, I pretty much say it on every preview that we do. I don't mind getting beat by a better team. Obviously, it's annoying. Obviously, it's frustrating. But as long as those players give it 110%, 10% for the shirt and leave it all on the field, that's all you can ask for, ultimately. And, you know, you talked about coming in with that attitude and, and you know, um, you, it, was, it was bound to work at, at Everton Football Club because we are a fan base that do you know, absolutely love players that give 110%. And of course, we understand that in some games it mightn't be your best game, but as long as you're, you're constantly tired. Right. And we've seen and Everton got... legends through the years who have done that, haven't we? Tim Cale, Duncan Ferguson. Yeah. <clears throat> so it... Loads. Yeah, absolutely. Loads of players. And, and you know, the affection that the... the... Listen, the fans have, have had it hard. Yeah. Everton fans have had it hard. They haven't had it easy. Um, there's been some sparing success. And, you know, the last trophy was obviously 1995 winning the FA Cup. Yeah. And I know we're going to move on to Mr. Ancelotti and, and, and Big Dunk. But I just think, you know, the club have had quite a few full starts in the past years. But for the first time, they've got a manager in who nobody could question. Yeah, that's it. Carlo Ancelotti is the perfect manager for Everton <clears throat> because he's the one who sets the plan. And now they are sticking to that plan. It's got, it, might, it might take another season or two, but you could see the shape of the team and the club coming now. And, and that's so important for everybody concerned to actually see we are improving. Yeah. Look at, I mean, look at the Rolls-Royce engine that's in that <laughs> midfield now. Brilliant. That's absolutely it. brilliant. That's it. Absolutely spot on. And like you said, you know, for the first time in a long time, this is an Everton team that I think everybody gets behind. Even when we lose, even when the setbacks, we all understand, right, this is a process. I mean, there's been a couple of times this season, Kev, where the idea of maybe even challenging for a title has popped into my head. And then the odd game makes you think, no, you know what? This is Carlo's first full season. He hasn't even been here a full season yet, so we That's know it's, right. it's a building process. And I think it's... and and Cameron, it's COVID. Yeah, yeah. So you've got to take that into consideration. So yeah. when you when you actually look at the job Carlo Ancelotti's doing, he's doing an yeah. absolutely brilliant job. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. I agree. I agree. I think we're completely overachieving this season so far, certainly in terms of league position. And you know, there's been a. A number of times where I've sat down and you know after games and I've, I find myself and it's very easy to say this obviously because you know it, it, it's very easy um, you know to bring this up after you win but I find myself sitting there after wins and thinking we wouldn't have won that under previous manager or that mentality yeah. wouldn't have been there previously we'd have lost that game the Watford game the back end of last season coming back 2-0 down to win 3-2 even the Man United game a couple of days ago when you go 2-0 yeah. down at Old Trafford you know Everton teams in in the past 
not many Everton teams get back up and, and get back into that game, but but we have done. Um, I just want to touch a little bit more on that season when you, you joined on loan in March 1999. Like you mentioned, we played Sheffield Wednesday, beat... Um, uh, sorry, played Coventry City, beat Coventry City, played Newcastle United, 1-3-1. You mentioned Charlton Athletic, uh, New, uh, West Ham, sorry, as well. It was a massive period for, for the football club. And like I said, you know, for, to score three goal, uh, six goals in, in three games and, and nine and eight and become Everton's top goal scorer within the final eight games of the season, it, it, was, it was what helped Everton stay up and, and ultimately... Everton wouldn't be where we were now, I believe anyway, without without staying in the Premier League because we you know we've never been relegated and you know, um it can be that vicious cycle when you when you get relegated. Some teams bounce back up the next year, some teams spiral down and, and you don't see again for a long, long time. Look at Leeds only just yeah. come back up. They were a massive club in the Premier League. Sunderland yeah. were in the Premier League pretty much all my lifetime. We're relegated once and, and we still haven't seen them since. So yeah. at the end of that that March, um at, at that, that season, you know, the ninety eight, ninety nine season then when the opportunity arose to to sign for Everton on a permanent deal was there anything contractually that said you know there was an obligation or was it just you did you just think right, this is where I want to be now I want to I want to sign permanently I mean I, I just just to go back to the playing part it was you know everything gelled yeah you know my first two games my first game was the Merseyside derby um, at Anfield we lost the game 3-2 that's the one where um, Robbie Fowler was j- supposed to be eating the grass yeah. through his nose. Yeah. Um, you know, we lost that game 3-2 and then we played Sheffield Wednesday at home and we lost 2-1. We were winning 1-0 at halftime and we made two We made two terrible mistakes at the yeah. back. We gave the ball straight to Benito Carboni twice and he went through and scored and we ended up hitting the bottom three. And I, I never forget Watersmith coming in and saying, listen, lads, now's the time where the big characters have to step up. Yeah. And I, And I remember, you know, Dave Watson, Waggy, uh, Davey Weir, Craig Short, Thomas Myra, you know, Olivia Decor, myself, Dave Vons, all, all the guys kind of got together and, you know, it was there was a, a steely determination. And that's when we kind of went on a run. The next game was Coventry, yeah. which, which we won, as you mentioned. You know, then you're looking at Newcastle, then you're looking at Charlton, and, and you go on a run and you start to win. And when you start to win, the confidence yeah. starts to come back and... The fans start get you know the fans are with you, but the fans could easily get on board when you're rolling. Yeah. And um, momentum. you know that, uh, that yeah the momentum comes and that penultimate game against West Ham you win and you stay up, and we end up winning the game by you know six. It's 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 amazing. Yeah. It really was amazing. That's why for every pitch invasion I was just savouring it. You know keep coming on Blues. I want this game never to finish. It was brilliant. That's, that's amazing. That is amazing. And, and like you said, we, we finished that season. We managed to stay up. It was a difficult, difficult time. But like I said, those last, you know, eight or nine games of the season but, were... But Cameron, just going to your point about contractual obligations and stuff. Obviously, I I, I was only on loan. Yeah. So I, I had to go back and I had to go back to Turkey. Yeah. I didn't want to because I only had a season left. Yeah. So I was trading on my own. Obviously, Everton was speaking to Trabzonspor at the time, but the, chair, the, the the president wanted to see me. Okay. Face to face. So I flew out with the Everton delegation over to Turkey to meet the, the, the president, met the president, uh, spoke to the president, went for a walk with the president and we spoke and, um, you know, he granted me the permission to, to, to join Everton. And then from there, I flew straight from there to, to pre-season 
in Italy in Pisa with with the team, and you know I was delighted to be a, a, an Evertonian, a true Evertonian then. So, you know, listen, I was at Arsenal longest and I was at Everton second longest, and I'm I'm so proud and and to to be able to be a, a captain of of the great football club as well. You know, it's a, it's an absolute privilege, Cameron. Honestly. Yeah, well, we're we're gonna move on to that. I have got that written down about captain in um, Everton Football Club, first black captain of Everton Football Club yeah. as well, um, which I think is really important. So we'll we'll move on to that as well. Obviously, prior to to that season where you were given the captaincy, joined on a permanent deal um, in the summer of 1999 and in that 1999-2000 season 12 league goals 26 appearances and one massive massive league goal that still stands to this day as the last Everton player to score a, a winning goal at Anfield and obviously you know this uh, podcast is is being recorded just a, a week or just over a week away from another Merseyside derby at Anfield Carlo's first Premier League derby at Anfield believe it or not um, yeah. obviously you had the one in the in the FA Cup but we won't talk to yeah much about that one no 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 that's a that's a distant yeah, memory we won't we oh, won't bring that one up don't remember it <laughs> no I, I try not to every every time i think about anfield derbies i, I just I that's that's I just know. a horrible one i was there i know it was it wasn't a, it wasn't great to, to take whatsoever that one um but that game anfield merseyside derby um you know obviously everton had, hadn't had a bad record against against liverpool at home or, or away during that time now it's it, it's much different of course not just at anfield but even at goodison you know we haven't beat them in in over a decade um, even longer at anfield of course that record still stands and i'm sure you're immensely proud of that and evertonians are immensely proud of that but uh, am i right in saying kev that you wouldn't mind seeing that record broken in in a week's time cameron do you know something I say it every single year. I don't want the record. <laughs> I want the record gone. Yeah. But every every year I say that, I keep it for another <laughs> year. So do you know what I'm going to say? I'm going to change the narrative, Cameron. I want to keep it. Yeah. I want to keep and it. And hopefully we can remember this interview. <laughs> I, exactly. If I say I want to keep it, hopefully it will be gone in the next eight days or whatever. Look, the, the, I for me, that game... Uh, Anfield capsulated the spirit and Everton Football Club. Yeah, because you're at Anfield, it's it's difficult to get points there, let alone to beat them yeah. there, and it's it's difficult to keep to not to keep them scoreless. Yeah, yeah. But you know, you, when we looked around that dressing room, there was a lot of experience, there was a lot of quality, there was a lot of toughness. Uh, in that team and you know we, we, we looked at them for what you know what we've got a good chance here yeah. we've got a really good chance the, the key Cameron is to get your noses in front yeah. if you could get your noses in front then you could set about them and luckily it was what after six minutes um, I scored good move reverse pass by Franny Jeffers and I I hit it uh, on the up and I hit it down and Sander Festival couldn't keep it out. And do you know what? My defining memory of that was all the pockets of Bruce in the cop. Yeah. Jumping up and down. It's the cop, you know what I mean? The Blues are going nuts <laughs> in the cop. It was absolutely brilliant. You could hear the Annie Road, all the fans going mental in the Annie Road. There's little pockets all over the stadium of Blues going crazy. And that was, we had like 84 minutes to go. Yeah. You know, obviously, you know, Three players sent off in the end and all that kind of thing. But we came out of it with a win. 
And what what a brilliant time. So, yeah, I want to keep it, but I'd like somebody like Dominic Calvert-Lewin to, to score the winner. Yeah. Or Richarlison or somebody like that. Because it... I want them to feel how I feel. Yeah. You know what I mean? I want them to feel... I know Dominic Calvert-Lewin scored a, an equaliser. Yeah. But to get the winner at Anfield is a different feeling altogether. Yeah. And I want them to feel that because it's a, it's an incredible feeling. It's a completely different feeling, I agree. Well, I can only uh, imagine. And, and like you said, you know, um, we've seen Everton teams go to Anfield in the uh, in the past since that, that famous goal. Um, and look, Everton have come up against some good Liverpool teams and lost to some good Liverpool teams better than we are. Um, you know, when we've come up against some sides where maybe the luck hasn't hasn't gone our way, be it refereeing decisions or, you know, a, a bouncing ball, etc, etc. But it's been a long time since that goal at, at Anfield that, that you scored, of course. You mentioned there about it being in the in the sixth minute, uh, scoring early and then and then keeping them out. And if that, if there's something that we've seen under Carlo Ancelotti so far as Everton manager is not necessarily scoring goals early, but scoring and then you know having that sort of uh, back four, flat back four, low block, defending, defending, defending. And until very recently, well, the Man United game, we've been very very good at keeping teams out and certainly you know not allowing teams to, to get past us. We'll we'll talk a little bit in a moment about the defence of Godfrey, Holgate, meaning. Keane and how solid that was during that period, you know, the games against Chelsea, Arsenal, Leicester, but uh, you know, we have come up against good Liverpool teams at Anfield since then, and like I said, we've had you know bad luck in in certain games. But I don't want to put every single result since you know that goal at Anfield that you scored down to that. Do you think that there's the need? There's it's a mentality situation or a confidence situation with with certainly certain results in the, in the past because I I can remember coming up against really poor Liverpool teams and Liverpool teams that have been on awful form, and I know it's a Merseyside derby and form goes out of the window, but as a player and as a as a goal scorer, a winning uh, goal scorer in a Merseyside derby away from home, do you think that it's it's sort of a mentality you know block that we we need to get over? Of course, like I said, you know, I haven't beat them in over a decade and, and even longer away from home. Is it what what what's your sort? How do you feel going into a game like that as a player? Does the occasion play on your mind, or do you sort of just need to move that on? And I suppose. What would your advice be to those Everton players that'll be, you know, going out at Anfield in the next week or so to get a th- to get the win? Because Carlo Ancelotti isn't going to say, "Oh, it, you know, it, this is Anfield here. Well, uh, you know, whatever the result is, it doesn't really matter." He's going to go out and say, "These have lost to Burnley, Brighton, and and who else did he lose? They lost the last game, didn't he? At home, they've lost three on the bounce at home. We've got a great away record. Go out and and do your business. Is it? Is it sort of a mentality block to get over? And and do you think that maybe? In the past, Everton have had an issue with that? I think sometimes what the problem is, is form, okay. attitude, um, a sense of... When you, when, you, when you gain confidence, Cameron, you're winning. Yeah. And whether you like it or not... Listen, Evertonians ain't going to let the team not yeah. know what Merseyside Derby's coming yeah. up. It, from the moment the, the, the game finishes... Uh, the, the 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 game before the Merseyside derby finishes, everyone's going to be talking yeah. about the Merseyside derby. Yeah. You can't get away from it. So, obviously, then you start to focus. That bit, of, everything in training goes up a level. Yeah. You know that sharpness. That everything you, you you tuned in. But you but you you do need a break. Yeah. You, you need a break, and you need you need your defence to be playing decent. Yeah in order to keep them out. 
and you need to be able to take a chance. Whether you, you have to keep them out until late or you keep them out early and get a goal and then you've got to start keeping them yeah. out. You know, either way, you've got to be able to stay in the game at, ev at every point. Yeah. I think the problem with Everton has been there's been lapses of concentration. Yeah, they've played against some, some not-so-great Liverpool teams. But one thing Liverpool do do at Anfield, they keep asking you questions. Yeah. And when they ask you questions, if there's a lapse in concentration, they're going to score. Yeah. And once they get their noses in front, you have to open up a bit. And that's when you tend to find they're at their yeah. best. What's happening here, for the first time in a long time, is... Everton kind of find themselves their form is on the up yeah. and Liverpool's form is on the down I know look you're talking about Burnley Brighton and Man, Man City, City yeah. you know they've lost their three, last three games we know Man City could do that to anybody yeah. but it's still a beating yeah. it's still a beating isn't it yeah. and you've heard all the excuses coming out from, from uh, you know the, the Liverpool camp etc. This one's had more rest and that one's had cold feet and you name it, it's been yeah. there. So this is the stuff that you use as ammunition when you go in there, you want to put it on them yeah. and you want to put it on them fast. So if, if, I'm, if I'm in this Everton team or in and around this Everton team, obviously you've got a, cup, you've got a game or two to, to, to go before then. But one, as soon as you get to Anfield, you know it's not Fortress. Yeah. Um, Anfield, there ain't the fan base there who can be the twelfth man for them, and they're they're vulnerable at home. They're not as they're not as tenacious as they were. Yeah. So you've got to be going in there thinking, listen, guys, this is a great opportunity for us to take them out. Yeah, you know, to beat them, and you've got to go in with that mentality. You've got to fight fire with fire and get your noses in front. Definitely, definitely. Well, you mentioned there just, just on the start about confidence and momentum and, you know, going into games with, with that run of confidence. I don't I don't want to jinx anything, but Everton, of course, have had a very, very good away record this season. Seven wins out of 11, two draws, um, two losses, of course. Gone on a, an unbeaten run now for, for a long time away from home. Won four out of four on the bounce, which is the first time we've done that since the 80s. And like you mentioned there, Liverpool are, are coming into this with three straight away. Uh, sorry, three straight home defeats um, after not losing for about two or three years at, at Anfield in, in the Premier League. So is that something that the players have got to really, really sort of thrive on? Is that confidence and that momentum? And just, you know, you, you hear a lot about the Merseyside derby when it comes up, especially um, in the years that were played, you know, not so great Liverpool sides, let's say, not recently because they've been very good recently and it kills me to say yeah. it, but they have. But, you know, five or ten years ago, we were playing Liverpool sides that were, were finishing below us ultimately in the league and you hear you know people saying it you know not just about the, the mentality uh, issue but playing the occasion rather than the side is that big as, as a player do you sort of you know did you used to go into these type of games and do you think that these players should go into it next week and, and play this Liverpool team who aren't very confident at the moment who have been defensively um, shaken at, at times who are struggling in terms of their defensive um, you know the players that they can put out through through injuries and, and I know that's not an excuse because everybody's had injuries but do you sort of is that something that you you think about and you think yeah sometimes we have played the occasion and and sort of the Merseyside derby at Anfield and, and blah 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 rather than 
just playing the team. And like you mentioned about COVID times as well, this is the first time we'll play them at Anfield without any fans in the stadium. That FA Cup game that we won't talk about had fans in the stadium. We've played them twice at Goodison. Could have won the first time, which was the first game back after the... Um, the, the, the break, uh, Tom Davis hits the post in the last five seconds and we know, we're uh, five minutes sorry, and we know what happened at Goodison earlier on this season we've done really well to get back into the game so mm. is it sort of play, play the team and play the team that aren't confident at the moment and, and thrive on that rather than the occasion that is a Merseyside derby? Yeah, I think sometimes what can happen is because you haven't won in such a long time players can get anxious yeah. and sometimes when players get anxious they don't perform yeah Earlier on in the season, when when Everton played Liverpool at Goodison, Everton were in the ascendancy form-wise. Yeah. But they they the game went on, and Liverpool seemed to be the dominant yeah. team. Everton kept pegging them back, but Everton looked like they couldn't string the passes together. Yeah. Didn't look as confident, you know. And that it can make you anxious at times. But I think you ha- you have to look at the the team that you're playing, and and where they yeah. are. This is one thing. This is the as part of the preparation. Liverpool aren't as dangerous as they yeah. were. They are going through a very difficult time. Can they score goals? Yes, they can score goals. But do you know what? They they look frail at the yeah. back. They look like they'll give you chances. So, you know, if you're if you're Everton, you're thinking, what we got to do? We got to defend properly. Yeah. If we can defend properly, we can score goals against this this team. Because no disrespect to Jordan Henderson or whoever else, they're playing two centre midfielders at centre half. Yeah. So if you're Dominic Calvert Lewin, get me the yeah. ball. You know, get me the ball in the danger zone, and 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 let me let me do my thing. Fabinho's playing at the back with Jordan Henderson. So obviously, you know, you, you, you've got to look at the team who you're playing against. You've got to look at where their frailties are, and I'm sure Carlo Ancelotti and Big Dunk will. We'll be taking them through all this anyway, but you have to scheme for the for the opposition, and when you scheme for them, you know you you have to take into account what they are and the 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 personnel that they're going to play, etc. And 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 try and go into it confident, knowing this is what this is our game plan and this is what we're going to yeah. do, because they've played against this Liverpool team enough times. You know they've got got a few draws against them, and by the way, earlier on the season didn't play well and got a yeah. draw, which was great. Now they're not playing well and Everton are playing better. This is the time where you could, you know, push that supremacy and get a win. Why yeah. not? It's about time, Everton. It's about damn time. That's it. I'm exactly the same as you, mate. I mean, I was I was alive during uh, when you, you scored the winner at Anfield, but, you know, barely. I, I was born in October 1998, so I don't remember the goal. I don't remember the occasion. It was just before I went to my first Everton game. So, in terms of me, myself as an Evertonian, I've never seen us go to Anfield and win, and I've seen so many close games. I've seen us put in decent performances and just miss out. But like you said, I, I, I you know, I agree completely. I do think there is a level of anxiety, certainly at times. You mentioned then, you know, Everton were in absolutely unbelievable form at the start of this season. Seven wins on the bounce just before the international break. We'd thrashed West Ham in the cup, you know, we'd thrashed 
uh, Brighton, West Brom, good win against Palace, obviously beat Tottenham on the opening day of the season. And then we come into that Liverpool game and there was a lot made about the international break and the fact that that stopped the momentum a little bit. But we did look anxious within the opening 10 minutes. Not only had they scored, but we couldn't get a touch on the ball. And OK, we were coming up yeah. against the Liverpool side. They were very good and had won the league previously. But, you know, I also think, Kev, um, and I don't know if you agree, you know, this is a this just shows the progress of Everton. And we, we'll go on to talking about um, Carlo Ancelotti in a second and Duncan Ferguson and the progress but Liverpool finished 50 points above Everton last season and I think there was a joke going around with Liverpool fans as to state that if if the points gap between Everton and Liverpool was a team that would have finished above Everton as well now we're a matter of a, a couple of wins away and we're, we're straight back up there so that should be a momentum in itself shouldn't it as to not just looking at Liverpool as a Merseyside derby and as a we haven't won there in so long but looking at Liverpool as a these are the team that are in and around our position in the league so of course I know we've still got a couple of games to go we've got to play Fulham on Saturday um, Sunday which you know we, we should be winning but you never know and then we play Man City midweek which is a very difficult game but this should be a, a game shouldn't it Kev where this team are looking in the going it's not so much Liverpool it's not so much a derby that's a team who are in and around our position and we want to be making some space on them well exactly now usually what happens is Liverpool would have been at the, the top end Everton are struggling and, you know, the Merseyside derby comes up and you start giving it, oh, you know, the league form goes out the yeah. window. Well, do you know what? League form doesn't go out the window right now because both teams are very close to each yeah. other. Everton have games in hand. Everton win and it puts Everton right up to be in that top four. Yeah. Especially now that, look at the teams that are up there. Everton being up there shows what a great season Everton are having. Yeah. And we know it's not fully it's not fully functional yet. You know, there's a lot of players who are coming who are just it's just their first they've not even been in a season. Yeah. This is their first season at, at Everton. So there's still things to gel. There's still players to, you know, find their their best form, etc. But I just think it's a it's a fantastic position for Everton to be in. And woe behold Everton finish above Liverpool this season. Imagine it. I mean, I tell you what, there'd be a meltdown <laughs> on the red side. I'm telling you. Imagine it. I've got a bit. I've got a good pal, Red Nose John, and he will be. I'm telling you now, he will be in meltdown. If one, if Everton won at uh, Anfield, <laughs> he will melt down. And two, if Everton were to finish above Liverpool after being so far behind last last season. That would tell you about the job that Carlo Ancelotti's yes. done and the job that he's doing. Yeah. Because I think this is something that the platform is being built. The, the foundations are being set now. Yeah. And, you know, we, we've said it before, when there's injuries, players like Tom Davis have to come in and, 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 and step up. And I believe Tom Davis has stepped yeah, up. Yeah, I agree. I really believe he has. But I, I think there's obviously there's going to be more players coming in during the summer to really beef up this Everton squad. So when you actually don't pick, when you when you chop and change the team, it's going to be just as strong 
whoever's playing. That's the key. I now. agree. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, moving on then to, to Carlo Ancelotti. You've just mentioned there about the job Carlo Ancelotti is doing. I think we both agree, as the many ever other Evertonians, that you know we've we've vastly improved under Carlo. I mean, the difference between last season and, and this season is is night and day. And yes, we're still losing some silly games and we're still putting in the odd poor performance. But there's been a couple of things that I've really took notice of. It's not really the bad performances that I'm looking at because I know that this you know this squad isn't you know isn't still isn't the best squad. In, in the in the uh, in the league and it still you know needs a, a lot of quality adding to it but a couple of things such as when we lose a game we usually bounce back in the next game which wasn't you know popular of Everton in, in recent years last five six years or so if we lost would then go on a mad losing streak in the edge of drop whereas now we seem to lose the game against West Ham for example we step the foot on the gas we won the next week against Wolves we lose to Newcastle again we step our foot on the gas we put in a really good performance against Leeds United like I mentioned before that mentality of doing that and coming back and you know coming back from being behind Liverpool or Goodison Park Man United more recently win against Tottenham on the opening game of the season is, is massive as well um, is is that something that you really think Carlo Ancelotti has, has improved at the football club is that belief in the players as to that when you lose games to just go on and, and you know step it up in the next game and go and win and as well as that you know the players that he's brought in I mean we spent 60 odd million pounds in the summer which usually wouldn't get you you know, uh, would get you a, a decent midfielder. We spent 60 million on Ben Godfrey, who looks like one of the best young defenders in the country. I mean, I'm embarrassed to say I didn't know an awful lot about Ben Godfrey when he signed, and now he can play everywhere. He can play left back, right back, centre back, all across that back. He's four. unbelievable. He can play all across that back four, and uh, you find Cameron. Sorry, no, to no, just no. Cut across you. You, you find that he's he's he takes pride yeah. in wherever he plays. He wants to be the best. Yeah. Absolutely. In that position. And having a player like that in your back four helps Absolutely. immensely. Because you, you, Lucas Dina, if, you, if, he, if, he, if he's not there, you thought to yourself, well, who's going to come in and do a job? He, he was brilliant. Yeah. He's been brilliant in, in that back four. So I think for, defensively, Everton have been a lot more solid. I think what Carlo and, 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 and obviously his assistant, Big Dunk, has done, He's brought a belief to the players that we understand you could have bad games. Yeah. But you you leave the bad game behind you and, and you concentrate on the next game. Yeah. Because I think what tends to happen before is Everton have a bad game and they carry that bad performance into yeah, the next one. Completely agree. That ain't that ain't happening. I mean you've you've laid a ghost to rest this season yeah. where Richarlison, when Richarlison never played, Everton had never won. Yeah. Well, that's been laid to rest this season. So that just goes to show progress is being made mentally as well as physically yeah. for the team. That it's not obviously not fully where it needs to be yet. But the key for, for everybody at Goodison and all the Blues is to see that progress, to see the progression coming. And, you know, you start adding better pieces to the puzzle because he's not, Carlo Ancelotti can't just do it all at yeah. once. It's got to take. It's got to take a little bit of time, and you've got to build momentum. And you could see the momentum building at Everton. Yeah. And if Everton win their games in hand, they're in the top four, yeah. comfortably. And if somebody, if somebody said to you, Cameron, you know, at the start of the season, in in February, we will be in the top four, you'd you'd snap their hand yeah, off. Absolutely. All the Blues would snap their hand off. Absolutely. Right? So, so again, Everton have the opportunity 
to really make some big strides. And uh, I think Carlo Ancelotti's got the temperament, he's got the experience, and, and he's got the he's, he's got the ear, he's got the ears and, and the minds of the players to help push them to challenge for that top four. Yeah. It's, a, it's an amazing turnaround. It is. It's, it's, it's magnificent, like you said. You know, at the start of the season, I'd have, I wouldn't have just snapped your hand off. I'd have probably turned around and said, I don't know what you're drinking, but it's it's very, very strong because, <laughs> you know, the back end of last season, Everton were, were really, really poor. You know, we were losing games. We lost to Bournemouth, who had been relegated at the time. They come to Goodison Park and absolutely wiped the floor with us. And that wasn't the yeah. first time we'd seen performances like that the season before under Marco Silva. Very similar squad went to Fulham when we were in a a good run of form and they'd already been relegated and we lost there so you know Carlo's brought in a lot of good players we talked about Ben Godfrey Alan Abdelai Decore like you said Rolls-Royce of an engine in midfield James Rodriguez who is just an absolutely Quality. excellent footballer um, and I think it has to be said about the players that Carlo Ancelotti and Big Dunk and David, of course, and Carlo's team that have improved that were at Everton Football Club before. You spoke about Tom Davis, who was a player that the argument's still very prominent at this moment, but I completely agree. I think for a lad who's stepped in and had to do a job of a, of somebody like Alan, who's so vital to this team, he's done really well. We're seeing Andre Gomez in recent weeks has stepped his form up. He looks, he looks back to his best now. He does. He looks. He looks really good again. He does, and and you know you've obviously I know Richarlison's having a little bit of a golden job, but he's still working hard. And Dominic Calvert Lewin, of course, you know again, top goal scorer this season, taking away penalties. He doesn't take our penalties. Not that we get many anyway. We spoke about about Dom last time, and you were on the channel, Kevin. The improvement of Dominic Calvert Lewin, but I think it has to be said as well for for Carlo Ancelotti. It isn't just the players that he's brought in that we know have made a quality impact as well as Marcel Brands, of course, because I think Ben Godfrey was a lot to do with, with Marcel. It's the players that he's improved that have been at the team. Michael Keane, Yeri Mina, um, like we mentioned, Tom Davis, Andre Gomez, Dominic Calvert-Lewin. He is just the man, isn't he? And it's not just the man. He's not like he's coming, OK, he's brought in two midfielders and, and a creator player because we desperately needed that. But Need it's not like him. he's just gone, right, get rid of everybody and let me just bring everybody. He's worked with the players that are here. And who'd have thought Dominic Calvert-Lewin two years ago would be challenging for the Golden Boot in the Premier League? Who'd have thought Michael Keane two years ago would be our most solid centre-half? I mean, the argument's still there. Three weeks ago, I was saying Michael Keane's our best centre-half and has to start every week. Now, yeah, he means has been excellent Ben Goffrey is, yeah. is exceptional so it's I think it's about that as well isn't it Kev is the improvements that Carlo has made to the players that were already at Everton Football Club and, and that's also testament to the players as well isn't it yeah I, I think it's, it's it's important not only do does he bring in what the team needs i.e. that, that Rolls Royce engine the toughness in midfield the bit of flair from James Rodriguez that you know was lacking the players that are there improve under the manager yeah and come together as a team. Yeah. Um, you know, I think even Alex Awolby yeah. has looked good, has looked good, etc. But it's all about the squad. This is, this is the important thing. The squad, what would happen with the squad is, the squad still can lose the odd game here and there. Yeah. But as the squad starts to get stronger and as more quality players start to come in, when you're losing at half-time, the manager can make an adjustment, bring two players on, and they'll change the game and you'll end up yeah. winning that game. Yeah. That That's what the top teams yeah. do. They might be down and then they bring somebody on and the next minute the, the game changes and the other team are on the back foot and they end, you end up winning. But that's a process. Yeah. That really is a process. But you need the team to be all together 
and understand what the manager wants in order to get that. And that's what Everton's, that's the, that's the plan, what's happening now. It is a process. There is momentum there. The foundation is looking pretty good right now. I just, I just really hope Everton could finish off this season on a, on a really good run. And uh, I'd love to see him be involved in the cup, honestly. I really well, would. Well, that, that starts tonight, doesn't it? I know we, uh, we're, we're short for time and I don't want to take too much time uh, up, but I just want to talk a little bit about captain and Everton Football Club, like we mentioned earlier on. Um, had that you know really successful season in 99 on loan and joined on a permanent, another successful season, um, 12 league goals in 26 games, talked about the Anfield goal. Then, I think it was the following season, uh, if I'm not wrong in saying it might have been the season after you were given no, it was the, the, following, season. the following season yeah, you were given yeah. the pre-season captain's armband yeah. at Everton Football Club um, like we mentioned first black captain of Everton Football Club you talked about growing up in Brixton and it, it not being very nice um, and you know obviously we, we know all of the stories and it, it absolutely sickens me that you know abuse racial abuse is still going on to this day it sickens me that social media apps are so you know it can just happen uh, and it not nothing really is, is done about it I think they really need to clamp down on that how big of a moment was that for you as, as a player then and, and you know, coming into a football club, being embraced by the fans, being embraced by the club. Obviously, you spoke about that fan on the aeroplane. Was that just the pinnacle then of being given the captain's armband to lead Everton out to Goodison Park every week? Cameron, yeah, it was. I mean, we go, I go back to 1988 and I'm at Goodison Park as an Arsenal player and I'm getting racially abused yeah. with the other black yeah. players there. I come back, I joined the club in 1999 and... You know, there's none of that there. And then three years later, two, three years later, I get the opportunity to actually captain the football club. You know, there's a lot of hard work that's gone in at Everton. Um, Not only on the playing side, but on the the fan side, etc. And (laughs) and personally, I've spoke to a few Evertonians about this and they've never really had a a black hero. You know, they've never had really someone they could relate to. Yeah. And uh, obviously, Daniel O'Makachi and, and uh, Earl Barrett and some of these guys were good, but they never had somebody who, you know, I was lucky enough to wear the number nine yeah. shirt. And I know that that has a mystique to it at, at Goodison Park. Look at the greats who have worn yeah. that. And for me to get that shirt and for me to do it some justice and then for me to get the armband, you know, I've, I've done some things in my career and that is right up there with the best things that's ever happened to me in, in football. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm just so... I, I'm, I'm, I'm delighted, I'm humbled by everything that happened to me at, at Goodison Park and that was probably one of the best things to ever happen to me at Goodison Park was to get that armband. Amazing, amazing. And one of those number nine Kevin Campbell shirts is actually just outside my room there. Uh, my dad's got a couple of signed shirts from yourself and he's, he's going to put one up. I'd put it up, but I'd probably knock it down because I'm useless and anything like that. He's actually got the drill out now. I don't know if you can hear him. He's got the drill out. Probably put him Go on, Dad. Now. Go on. <laughs> um, so, yeah, absolutely amazing. And like you said, just to just to echo that, you know, I know I've said it a couple of times, but I have had a lot of comments of people saying, you know, Kev was my hero 
growing up, you know, them goals were so important to this football club and to have a player like Kev come in, you know, right at the end of the season. And if you if you put it into perspective now, you know, now if Everton were in a relegation battle with eight or nine games to go, I wouldn't be very, very confident we were getting out of it. So it, it, it shows how important that was. And, and like you said, it, it was it's absolutely um, amazing. I want to end the podcast then on a question. We always like to end on a, on a question. A massive, massive thanks, Kev, for coming on. I really do appreciate it, honestly. It means a massive amount to me, you know, taking your time out of your day um, to, to come on multiple times now. Honestly, it, it means a lot. There's been a conversation going about on social media and with Evertonians recently. Um, Carlo Ancelotti addressed it in his press conference yesterday before the Spurs game. Um, I think a couple of people put it on Twitter. Um, top four finish or an FA Cup. Now, Carlo was asked this and he said, for the progress of the football club, I think he, he said he prefers a top four finish, finishing in the Champions League. I think what he's talking about there is being able to build on the squad, bringing better quality of players in, the long-term sort of effects. But for the fans, obviously, the elation, the emotion, it would be a, an FA Cup. And I think Ian Kroll of the Echo put out a tweet and I said, for me, it's, it's the FA Cup with a, a club that are rich in history, rich in trophies and we've been starved of that for all of my lifetime I've never seen Everton win a cup and he said even with no fans in the stadium at Wembley and I said well it'll be it'll be horrible but I'd rather be sat at home screaming and shouting and getting the beers open that Everton have won an FA Cup than not winning one at all from you then I suppose as as an Evertonian as a fan and, and as a player where do you sort of stand on that do you think what do you think would be it'd be better for Everton this season a cup um, and then sort of maybe focus on European or you know obviously not not focus on the court. We've got a big game against Spurs later on, um, but is top four more of a priority? Would you say? I think trophy. I think trophy. Trophy's everything, yeah. because at the end of the day, you can't parade a Champions League That's spot. That's it. Uh, I understand the bigger picture for Carlo. Of course, I do, one hundred percent. But and and it is a bit of lucrative. It is very lucrative for the football club. Yeah. But realistically. You get into the Champions League, Everton aren't going to win the Champions yeah. League. So you want to go in. You want to go into the Champions League, knowing you got a chance. Yeah. So maybe, for the sake of twelve months, winning a trophy, getting some belief in the yeah. team, and then going next season where you can add a few more pieces to the team and then really push on. I think I'd take the trophy all day long. Yeah. I would. I'd take the trophy. Listen, Evertonians need that trophy yeah. to say, yeah, you, do you know, that team picture with that pot in front of you is, is, is brilliant. Yeah. Every Evertonian would have it on their wall. Yeah. So that's what I'd go yeah. for. No, spot on, spot on. And like you said, for, for the fans, of course, look, I, I, I don't know how I'll react that. I think I'll probably be on a drinking session for about a week because I just I just don't know how that excitement would be. But for the players as well, look, we've got a lot of good players and we've got a lot of players who have seen success. Luca Dean's had a lot of success in his career. Uh, James Rodriguez, of course, none more than the manager, Carlo Ancelotti, who's won everything. I dread to, to yeah. think of how many you know trophies and medals and honours are in his trophy cabinet. But there's also a lot of young players in the team, Richarlison, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, um, you know, who, who haven't really had that success and it would be absolutely amazing for them to, to have that success and, and who better to have it with than, um, than Everton. We'll finish up there, Kev. I know I've rambled for a, a, a while. I apologise. Cameron, can I just yep. say, can I just say, I'd like to say, um, you know, RIP to Di yes, Davis, yes. Um, the, the Everton goalkeeper from the past who passed away. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously deepest condolences to to his family and and all the blue family yeah, um, definitely 
who who supported him and um you know it's a difficult time Definitely. so just wanted to get that in before I absolutely goal. absolutely and you know you mentioned Di davis there excellent goalkeeper for everton and, and an, an idol to neville southall who i think a lot of people would say is everton's greatest ever goalkeeper he put yeah. a tweet out today about how inspirational he you know die was so yeah 100 percent echo that rest in peace to to die and all of our families go out to his friends eh, sorry all of our thoughts go out to his friends and family well a big big thanks kev for joining us once again i really really do appreciate it honestly it means a massive amount to me i'm honored and proud to be able to sit here and, and talk to people like yourself about our great football club and how inspirational and how effective you were for our football club coming in and, and just being a fantastic fantastic player so massive massive thank you if you have enjoyed this podcast please do leave a like if you're watching on uh, itunes apple music all of those platforms if you could leave a rating that would mean a great deal to me if you're watching as a youtube video please do leave a like don't forget to subscribe to the channel if you're new as well anything else to say before we finish up kev all i say is come on you toffees you can do it come That's on it. all the best up the toffees that's it up the toffees let's hope like kev said we go for a big big next couple of games and then beat them at Anfield, do them over, finish above them, and then we build on it after that. Big, big thank you for watching. Up the toffees, and we'll see you soon.